Let me say this is our silent reel. <laughs> <laughs> For the lip readers out there. Welcome back to Spoken D with Dr. Walt Duffy and Matt Duffy. This is part three of our series on video games. This is going longer than we thought. So it's really interesting. New thoughts come up as we talk about this. So, Matt, you said you thought you had a different way to go with this one. You thought the last segment was a little slow, maybe, or not too conversational or something. Well, last one we kicked off with you saying something about cognitive pathways and how video games may be able to help with that and how they're doing research now and the ADHD in video games. Well, a lot of things they're doing yeah, research with, with video games, yes. Yes, and we talked about how it can be a stress relief, right, and kind of an escape or outlet for the different things. Yeah, it's sort of like around the office, you know, we have a lot of bathrooms built because for our stress, my stress relief, since I see a lot of patients and I constantly have people coming to ask me questions, I just go into a bathroom and spend <laughs> like a, two minutes of deep breathing and meditation <laughs> and nobody can bug me in there and then I come out and I'm fine. And then last episode we were getting more into the, was it just going to become a constant? And it's so ingrained in normal life that it's not going to be any different for the, our, my kids and what they're growing up like. So I started thinking, well, what is going to be novel to them and how's that going to impact? Oh, right. And now it's VR, right? You're not with a controller watching a screen. We're really moving towards that. Your brain believes you're somewhere else, right? You, you put it on and you're, you're in the world and they're trying to make the metaverse, which is a copy of the real world. And you can just go live in the metaverse. That's going really well, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) As with any first iteration. But then I got to thinking, and this is future, right? But how then can you use the VR world for treatment, right? And is is at some point video games or VR going to be more integrated in how you can get outcomes because now we can put people into situations, actual situations that their brains believe they're in and do therapy or counseling or med management or uh, drug-induced uh Sort of like we do with ketamine and things like that. And, yeah, is that going to open up new modalities for potential treatment or people being able to address their issues or even the physicians being able to actually see how they respond in situations versus hearing their experience of how they respond in situations? And I was just going down that path and thought, well, that... Are That's you an interesting way to go. See how they respond in the sort of the virtual world or inside their brain. Well, so the I think you know the end goal is that your brain won't be able to tell a difference, right? We put you in the virtual world and you believe that's where you are. So you could put someone into their own body in if they're PTSD, right? Whatever scenario triggers them, and you could have your own VR headset on and be observing like. Uh, an entity that they don't realize is there and actually see what their brain tells them their body to do when they're in that situation. Well, you're seeing their reaction, correct? Right, but whereas right now you're just hearing what they think their reaction is. Right. Right. So I just thought it'd be an interesting conversation to see do you think that type of technology is going to at all change or come into the treatment realm other than just 
Oh, it could be a stress relief or a way to get these uh, mental stresses that you have out. No, I, I think it can be a definite treatment tool. The augmentation will it replace everything. No, I do not believe mm-hmm. it will replace everything. It might be able to one give you some important information. We know that there's very specific things. I mean, VR has been looked at for a long time in like people afraid of heights, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, or people who are afraid to go into very specific situations. You know, go across bridges. Very so different like, things. Uh, social anxiety. Right? People yes. who have a Concern being in crowds. Correct. And we're talking, I think it's exposure therapy. Yes. So if I just virtually put your brain into crowds or on the Empire State Building looking over the edge for a thousand repetitions, does your brain stop releasing the chemical or whatever's causing your fighter? I'm assuming it's a fight or flight response that's causing your so anxiety. That's, that's the question, right? Will it, uh, <laughs> across the board, decrease that or will mm-hmm. it increase that? You know, uh, an interesting thing is, for example, um, transcranial magnetic stimulation, which is a treatment uh, that uh, for depression that they've also looked at it for OCD. Mm-hmm. And the OCD trial, um, one of them did not come out positive because what they thought would be the sort of hot spot in the brain to maybe treat or how to treat it ended up not being maybe the best way. Mm-hmm. And then there might be different top types of hot and cold type of PTSD in your brain network. So there's a lot, learned a lot from the trial, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, didn't give you the answer. So one very difficult thing with exposure therapy is currently is you tell the person like with social anxiety, hey, you know, this is what you need to do before next time. What do you think the success rate is of that? <laughs> <laughs> You're asking people to do the thing that makes them very anxious to please go and try it out. Right. Yeah. Anxious, and then I'm assuming that on top of the anxiety now comes all the oh this is no now I'm not just anxious about going but now my doctors tell me I have to go to be anxious yeah. now I'm fearful and you do they regress even at any progress they made because now they're being pushed towards yeah what's uh so sort of a combination of social anxiety and performance anxiety that uh, this is so common in high school mm-hmm. oral communications. What do you have to do in oral communications? You have to get up in front of people and you have to talk. Mm-hmm. That uh, There's a lot of people who fail that class just because they are so fearful. Because you're not, you know, we should be taught from an early age, I mean, starting in the grade school, to do presentations in front of the class. Mm-hmm. Because it's very common for uh, social anxiety to really hit you know, around middle school, junior high school, when a lot of things sort of start changing. And you get these first exposures, and that's sort of when you get a lot of egocentric thinking where, oh, my gosh, everybody's watching with me, and everybody cares about what I think, what I do, or most people don't care what you (laughs) think or what you do. But that age is just just how your brain is sort of wired, those developmental stages you go through. But it would be really for a— VR type of thing, if you could be the treater uh, back at the office or home or wherever, and the person is in the classroom giving the thing, and you could help them through that in real time. So that is a potential, you know, so not only are they in VR, but they're also doing the presentation in front of the class at the same time. Mm -hmm. So, so So you're taking virtual reality and you're pairing it with reality. I think in some ways that's going to be the 
biggest bang for your buck. It might be that the VR is the initial exposure, but you need to be able to do all the steps. Eventually, you have to be able to take back into the real world, right? But is it going to be a a safer or more, or are patients going to be more acceptable to doing it in the virtual fakeness, right, before they're actually in front of uh, what the real situation in the real world? Uh, there'll be a lot of patients who are, have a lot of trepidation about even doing that because those scenarios just cause them so much anxiety. So you versus a one, one fits all program, can you really titrate it to the person? So one of the things is just we know about medications, if you get a side effect, right, you're much less likely to take more of it, mm-hmm. of the medicine, or to go get a refill. So if your first exposure to virtual reality is this intense anxiety, you're probably not going to sign up to do (laughs) session two. But if you can have some mild anxiety or whatever it is, deal with the depression within that reality and come out of it, Mm -hmm. you know, some of the things that they do with some other therapies so that by the end of this session, you're able to help them resolve at least the majority of that anxiety and that they survived and they're okay and it's not going to travel with them outside the session, then you're going to have a much better chance of um, having success with that VR. And for people who are used to games mm-hmm. and the exposure in that, I think it's just going to, um, it's it's not going to be so novel to them yeah. because it's probably going to, it's already being introduced to them in games, right? We already mm-hmm. have virtual reality in games. Yep. So wearing the headset, maybe being claustrophobic with the headset on, and these things, I mean, it's just, it's just going to become sort of a normal way of being treated. You know, I was to the dentist this morning, and uh, uh, which I really needed to go to. And But what I found really interesting is, you know, um, the dentist said it's time for the x-rays. So I was ready to go, <laughs> get on the little lead thing and go to the room where they take the x-rays. And he puts this little thing in my mouth and brings out what looks like a one of those megaphones, right? Mm-hmm. And he pops it up. I just, I never have to leave the room or the chair. Yep. And he takes the x-ray right there. And I go, oh, I know that's going to be right behind me on the computer screen. And sure enough, we just wheeled around. Mm-hmm. He was able to show me on the computer screen. So it made my life much easier, you know, made me want to go back to the dentist, which is a lot of people have a fear, you know, mm-hmm. just in that scenario. But the, so many steps they have made to make it easier. Mm-hmm. Uh, now the difference is, I think, uh, introducing some of these concepts into the medical world for actual treatments takes, I mean, it takes forever to get them actually like approved by insurance and things like that, right? Yeah. You might have an effective treatment and it's 15 years before you can actually use it. That's ridiculous. Well, yeah, that's the whole... Another story. Someday we'll go down the research story. (laughs) But it may not with video games, right? Well, insurance covered is one thing. But I think this will, if it becomes beneficial, you know, it could be a different discussion. Because a lot of... There will be a large number of people who already buy this equipment for recreation. Correct. So there's not necessarily going to be this, oh, there's this added medical expense... To have access to the technology that you're going to need. Oh, you're, you, uh, <laughs> that's what you're hoping. But you you know as well as I do that there, 
you might have a very similar system, but there's a difference between having a medical designation and a consumer grade designation. For mm-hmm. the same, even if you want to put the medical, it's a software product attached to the consumer product. Oh, yeah, there's all these. Yeah, but yes, barriers. The potential right? that you have this already wide distributed uh, VR type of technology out there that the consumers have already bought up, mm-hmm. and you have a way to put a treatment associated with that, right? Yep. So, I mean, I'm just now branching out, so I'll try and keep it on ones that are Oh, he closed his eyes and went inside his head, folks. That's dangerous. (laughs) So, here's what I see maybe being the first step of VR. And I'm curious to if where you think it falls on the beneficial, right? We have telehealth. Is the next step of telehealth virtual VR visits with your provider? Where now I don't even see you, but I'm in the room with you. And is that more beneficial for someone or less beneficial? So so you log in and you have your avatar, right? And so the other person can see you, but it's not really you. And you're seeing them dressed up as Batman or whatever they've decided their avatar is going to be but they perceive you being in the same room as them. So is it better for, because I'm assuming this is going to come at some point, right? Someone's going to go, oh, VR, mental health, real easy to do. We'll make we that. already have some VR. Um, well, we have mental health avatars, right? Mm-hmm. So, but it'd be very, in- you're asking specifically like, uh, in the mental health field, psychiatry, do I want the patient to show up as an avatar rather than themselves? There's a lot of information. Yeah, so is it worse? Is it better that than on a screen with telehealth where we're just doing FaceTime? Is that getting a further step away from beneficial care? Because I see that being probably not too distant in the future that some type of company or, or even a one-off provider is saying, why do telehealth? You have your VR headset. Let's actually meet in the virtual world and uh, have our visit and how is that going to because right mental health is always the first one because we don't have to physically touch the patient so there's always this argument that oh then you don't need to be physically present if you don't have to touch them which can be a different episode in the future too um so is but, your avatar going to mimic your facial expression your eye movements where your eye contact goes to uh, well Someday, probably. And It'd be can, an option, but the first one's going to be just you look like a block or whatever you currently look like. But you're, I'm wondering, so so you lose the visual perception, right? You, you lose seeing, it, it's like a phone visit almost, right? You have their voice, but nothing else. But you have the, the mental um, belief that you're in the same room. And how does that, just what does that do to the, the treatment paradigm, I guess? Yeah, there are a couple of things. I think one that um, you take away a lot of information from the human interaction. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a, a, a big issue, actually, uh, especially in the mental health world. And just think if I could t- see people taking advantage of that, um, uh, both from a business aspect Mm-hmm. I mean, if you can drill it down that that's all you really need, you're, you're really telling me there's nothing specific about uh, visual human interaction. 
that that means anything to outcomes in mental health. If you're doing it in that form, that right. that's what their argument would be, right? There's yeah. nothing. I really thought visual. you were. I really thought you were going to allow me as the because I think this would be helpful. So no, I do not think that would be that helpful because what does that mean if you just take that on out? Mm-hmm. What are you saying about uh, society and human interaction connection long term? Oh yeah, I thought about going there, but I was like, that's... But, but that's but that's what mm-hmm. sets it up. So. What I would find much more fascinating, which would be very helpful, if I could virtually, over telehealth, enter your home and your room. Mm-hmm. Because it tells me a lot about you. You know, I already now on telehealth have people's animals, you know, their dog. or the, Dogs and cats love to be on telehealth. <laughs> and they get very jealous if their owner mm-hmm. is interacting over telehealth and they're not involved in any way Mm -hmm. they do not like having no attention to themselves so they make often make themselves hurt or seen or both yep so but that animal also gives you some insight into the person right Mm -hmm. that you're talking to and how they interact (laughs) with that animal Uh, so uh, that has been sort of pretty interesting to me so but yeah if we could virtually be you know, projected into that environment where we could actually see, mm-hmm. uh, that would be very, very helpful. So would it be, would it be beneficial? I guess, So I can replicate their home. So you can see what it looks like, but now you see their avatar. You can see nope. what products they have in the fridge. You can see how messy whether they hoard, whether they don't hoard, what their bedrooms so, like. So l- let me ask yeah. you this. How many times have, uh, like you heard a radio voice yep. and somebody talking or on the phone, and you get in your mind an image of what the person looks like, sounds like, facial mm-hmm. expression, and then you actually meet that person or see them on TV or something in person, and you go, oh, my, nothing. <laughs> I was so far off. It does, it's not even funny. Mm-hmm. I mean, has that happened to you? Yeah. Yeah, voices matching anything else is always a an interesting thing to have. Right. We know that now, right? Because that's uh virtual dating. Well I showed up and I mean I had photos. <laughs> <laughs> Catfishing word exists for a reason. Right. I, I might I've heard your voice. I feel like your voice matches what I think I, you're gonna see, but it's my my real world experience now doesn't match the experience I put together in my head. And how likely is it for that date to go into a long term relationship oh. after that? Very few stories, if any. Okay, so that price or answers are you know this is very very fascinating uh, topic. That's this whole thing about video games and where that takes us, and talk yeah. about the children, just current life. But we never have gotten to the more single, like sports games, mm-hmm. versus more the team competitive. Yeah. So games. we have that one, and then I'll sum this one up, and then this will be a future. So treatment paradigm, purely virtual world. You'd say uh, that you're losing a lot in your ability to, pr- to provide care. As of right now, based on what, so how I interact yeah. with people, right? Well, the current state of what VR can provide. Right. So VR versus telephone, basically, 
Oh, same, now if, same level. If I get to be involved in designing it, then that's a different yeah. story. Okay. Then so then above telephone and VR, I'm guessing you put telehealth. You have some type of video of the person, but you still rank telehealth below in person. Uh, for certain types of right. visits, yes. I think this whole thing about we can do all behavioral health over telehealth yep. is so. Don't get into why because that'll be a future one. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the one I want to know because this one might be interesting, and then this will set up that video. Is in-person plus telehealth more beneficial than only in-person? Would you put in-person only as your as the best care or in-person plus telehealth because telehealth gives you some view into their life outside of the office? Just rank them, and then later in a future episode we'll say why. Well, there's uh, different parts to that that end up with different answers. I'm going to tell you the most successful outcome for the largest majority would probably be a combination thereof. Which is probably surprising because I would have thought a while back that in-person is the best. But now I think we're shifting to maybe. But we'll get into that. But there's many reasons because we're talking about what are – when we think about best care or, you know, what we've talked about is mm-hmm. we want people to get into remission, correct? Yep. So uh, that's – to do that, you have to successfully go through treatment. Yep. So what gets you most successfully through treatment and gets you the right treatment? And most likely it's probably a combination thereof. And we'll explore that more yep. in a future episode. All right. Thank you for this. Uh, joining us on this episode of Spoken DM. Again, like, subscribe, or you can give comments. Thank you.